Welcome back, Literary Slummers, to another Morph Monday episode of Shuffleware. And who's been messing up everything? No. It's been the Drode all along. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Anna. And I'm Em. <laughs> uh, this week, we are wrapping up a segment of the Animorphs as we have reached the final Megamorphs. Oh my, I was so concerned we were talking about a different book for just like a millisecond. I was like, fuck. (laughs) I didn't read anything else. No, this is the last of the four Megamorphs books. Uh, Mm -hmm. We still have about 13 books to go in the main series and another chronicle, but uh, this is the final of our beloved Megamorphs books. Oh, so beloved. So beloved. Um, Uh. So Megamorphs number four, back to before. Yeah. I have to say, I think I think the Megamorphs continuously got better yes. as they went on. Uh, the first and second ones being my least favorites, and then, you know, the, the, I think the harder that Ka Applegate went on these on these children, I was like, this is good. It's good literature. <laughs> I think also like the Megamorphs as they went on got, I mean, partially because the series was longer, but less concerned about being accessible to the casual reader. Like, I feel yes, like this too. one was almost, like, inscrutable in terms of, like, if I had never read an Animorphs and I just picked up this one, like, yeah, it does the typical, like, where are the Animorphs, whatever, blah, blah, blah thing sort of in it. But, mm-hmm. like, actually, no, it doesn't because it just starts at, at the first one where it's, like. I think the second chapter was, like, I'm Jake and this is a little bit about me or something. Yeah, but it doesn't it doesn't do the, like full Animorphs rundown that uh, yeah. the main series does. And it, there definitely were a lot of references to, like, continuity stuff that I was like, oh, that came back up. So I definitely feel like it, it might partially be that the writing and, like, the plots got better as it went, and it might also just partially be that, like, it got... Like, the Megamorphs are kind of where Applegate's like, okay, I know that the series is just, like, meant to be kind of picked up by whomever, whenever, mm-hmm. but the real fans, the real fans the are real here fans for The real fans are here with me in these Megamorphs books. It's what they crave. Uh, yeah, I did, I, did, I did enjoy this one for it being a side story where the end of it is, like, none of this mattered. Yeah. It's like, these are all the equivalent of, and it was all a dream. Right. I'm trying to think. The first one, I think, was the only one that actually had, like, consequences consequences to the plot because the second Mm. one was like time travel but none of it really happened and the third Mm -hmm. one was like time travel but none of it really happened and the fourth one was like time travel but none of it really happened um so i mean (laughs) slightly different flavors of time travel but only slight (laughs) first one or first time travel was dinosaur flavored second was Mm -hmm. hitler flavored and this one was skipping through time and this one was uh it's a wonderful life flavored yeah yeah this one we entered the animorphs multiverse (laughs) <laughs> and we learned that Cassie is a Nexus character. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into it, I suppose. Let's do it. All right. There's a lot of plot to this one. Mm-hmm. So there seems to be with all the Megamorse books because there's like 60 extra pages <laughs> extra pages to these books. So. 60 pages are jam-packed with plot. Yes. Lots of plot. So the book starts out after a particularly brutal battle. Um of some kind. We don't have a lot of background information on what the battle was. It's just they were fighting and it was bad. Someone died. Not one of the Animorphs, obviously, but just a controller died. Um, the Drode approaches Jake on Cryak's behalf and is like, hey, I can basically take you back in time to the moment you chose to walk through the construction site, you know, where you met 
Elfangor and became an Animorphs, whatever. I can I can roll back time to where you choose to take the other path instead, uh, the road more traveled, mm-hmm. I guess you could say, and you'll be able to become a regular teenager again. You won't have to deal with this uh, Animorph shit anymore. Yeah. 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 You'll be completely unaware. Maybe controllers. Who can say? And Jake is, like, resistant at first, uh, and the drode kind of drops some ominous hints about someday in the future, Jake will send Cassie into a cave and she will die. And then I guess Jake kind of spirals. We don't get it on page um, exactly, Jake asking for this to happen, but the next chapter starts up from Cassie's point of view, and she and Rachel are hanging out at the mall just hours before the Animorphs become the Animorphs. Except this and, time they don't. Except this time they don't, yeah. They just all go home. Cassie can immediately feel a sense of wrongness, but she's just like, whatever, shakes it off. And everyone avoids the construction site on their way home. So the children never gain morphing abilities. Elfangor just, no one witnessed Elfangor being eaten by a giant monster, I guess. Sad. And Sad Elfangor way to go. gets eaten by a giant monster and nobody's around to see it. Did it even Did happen? he really die? Did he really die? <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, like if you don't see the the death on page or on screen, it's a pretty good sign that it didn't happen. I mean, I'm still series theorizing that uh, we're going to have some sort of Elfangor resurrection at the end of this series. So even if you see the death on screen, you know, I feel like there's always ways to to undo that when there's time travel involved. (laughs) Is Elfangor Jesus? Uh, I think you could make a make an argument for a uh, Christ-like comparison here. Not not a full. <laughs> He's definitely a prodigal son. A little bit, but you could also make the argument that that part is more uh, Jesus wandering in the desert part yeah, of the, and then he has to too. go to sacrifice himself. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just saying there are parallels. Yeah, and also we think Lauren's gonna come back too. She yeah. has to. She's yeah. just vanished. Just yeah. Lauren, I'm sure, is not dead and is still around somewhere and is going to come back in the last few books. Elfangor, I'm thinking, book. is going to get resurrected somehow. But yeah, yeah, the Elemist. Yeah, one of those. Little since you were all very waves. good kids here, you get your you get your daddy back, back. <laughs> <laughs> your family unit, Tobias. Um, so the story then kind of divides up a little bit here because if you guys remember with Megamorph's books, we get every. Animorph has a POV chapter. So um, all of these things are kind of happening simultaneously, but I'm just going to break it down a little bit for easier discussion. So let's start with Tobias first, because his is the saddest. Mm-hmm. Um, he has stopped. This is like a week later after after the mall incident, or the incident that wasn't. He has stopped trying to hang around with Jake and Marco, because he can tell Marco doesn't like him. And Jake is like nice, but indifferent at best. So... Tobias is getting bullied at school and at home. It's very sad. But then he's approached by a member of the sharing who is like, hey, you don't have to be alone. You can have friends and be a part of something if you join my secret alien cult. (laughs) (laughs) And Tobias thinks he has nothing to lose. So he starts going to meetings of the sharing. And uh, the other kids in the sharing kind of start sticking up for him when he's getting bullied and shit at school. And Tobias feels like, you know, maybe he's trying, he's starting to make friends and he um, feels like he belongs with some people. So when his sponsor asks him if he wants to become a full member, Tobias is like, yeah, sure. sounds dope. Um, But we all know becoming a full member of the sharing means you're getting yerked. 
this was very this whole this section was very the bias section was just very much a bummer like it was such a bummer yes we've always gotten the the hints of and sometimes more direct hints of <laughs> Tobias's no good super sad life. Um, <laughs> yes. But, like, we've never had to live in it so much, right? That's true, yeah. Even from, like, his first... Well, his first, like, POV was a little bit fucked up, but um, after we got past the... Yeah, but it was hawks. fucked up because of animorph stuff. It was fucked up yeah, because not he's because sad of to humans. be stuck as a, as a hawk. It wasn't fucked yes. up because he, like, lives with his abusive or neglectful uncle and had, like, an abusive aunt and, like, no clothes, is getting beat no up food. at school. And, yeah, it, it yeah. was a lot of real-world sadness versus, like, yes. alien sadness. As opposed to science fiction made-up yeah. sadness. That's always a little bit harder, I feel like, to get through. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And it also, too, to see, like... You know, we after reading Visser, like we understand what the sharing is doing. We we're we're adult women. We understand how cults get members. But like I don't know, seeing it happen to someone who we know is like mm-hmm. really badass and awesome. Um, yeah, and also that was the other thing. I felt like in general, all of the characters that I liked the most as animorphs, I liked mm-hmm. the least in this. Right? Like I was mm-hmm. like, like Tobias and Rachel, and to some extent Marco really come into their own, I feel like, being Animorphs. Whereas Jake's Animorph thing we've discussed is super fucking annoying because it's him being the fucking leader. And Cassie's <laughs> is also super fucking annoying. And that, those yes. traits are, like, more palatable as, like, normal teenagers, I feel like, that aren't mm-hmm. in a war situation where it's like, okay, you should get used to this. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it was it was rough with Tobias to be, like, like you said, he's, like, this character that we know and love, but we had to go back to before he yeah. had gone through character development and, like, kind not, not that he needs character development to deal with abuse, but, like, before he has come to, like, know that he is cool and badass. And it's just, yeah. he's just really down on himself, yeah. too. Yes. Ugh, and every time he'd be like, I just wish I could spread my wings and fly. Wait, what wings? I was like, oh, baby boy. <laughs> um, we get to Axe. Uh, Axe is alone on the dome ship, and he's been sending out his thought speech transmissions, which Cassie like actually picks up on. But as I've hinted before, Cassie's a Nexus character. We'll get to her later. But no one has come for him or answered, so he decides that he needs to escape from the ship, even though he could live here in solitude for another hundred years if nothing were to happen to the ship. So he acquires a shark, which I think I think we know is a tiger shark, but Axe just refers to him as Blue Blade. Mm-hmm. And he gets the shark and is just starting to morph for the first time when the Yerks come and attack the dome ship, blowing it up. So Axe finishes a shark morph, fights some taxons, and then heads to shore to see if he can figure out how to stop the Yerk invasion on his own or call more Andalites to come help out because he is just an heiress. Okay, so Jake, Cassie, Marco, and Rachel. School kids. School kids are all on a field trip at a museum or something. Um, Marco Marco and Rachel get to talking during a movie and Rachel agrees to start dating Marco for whatever fucking reason. Like, this was upsetting to me. Did they actually agree to start dating or was it kind of just, like... Marco asked her out and she was like, sure. Yeah, but it was, like, after a lot of, like, banter yeah, and, that's like... True. I mean, I don't know. It, it wasn't... To me, it wasn't so much, like, oh, 
they seem to really like each other as more like, oh, if they hadn't been placed in a path where Rachel met Tobias and like got to know Tobias, then she would be kind of more open to dating people in general, I think was mm-hmm. kind of the vibe I picked up. I didn't think this I just, was trying to suggest them as an alternate ship. No, you know? no, no. I, I just, because we, we, I like their friendship so much, yeah. like their snarky friendship in the books, the main books. And I also, cause Tobias was having such a hard time. That's like Rachel's the only one who cares about him. And here she is off with Marco and she doesn't realize. But consider that that's perhaps a commentary on like teenage gender or like preteen gender politics of like, because they are in this situation in the real world or mm. in our reality, not our reality. The Animorphs isn't real. Yeah, <laughs> in, they in the prime. And that's, these books are nonfiction accounts. <laughs> In the, the actual prime, memoirs in the prime timeline of the animorphs where i'm a controller where they can they can hang out and develop a friendship as like co-workers or co-conspirators mm-hmm. but because they don't have that their friendship juice has to go towards something that is their friendship juice friendship juice has to go towards something that is i secrete friendship juice wherever i go yes. <laughs> My point is they have to use dating as an excuse to hang out because it's like, yeah, their boys boys and girls girls can't be friends. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Unless they're fighting Yerks together. Unless they're fighting Yerks, in which case they can form bonds of siblinghood. Yes. While Margo and Rachel are like chit-chatting about stuff, Margo notices a woman who looks exactly like his mother, but blonde because she's got that wig on. Cause, yeah, because it is his mom. And ma- she just magically appears in the middle of this museum that they're in. And, like, no one really questions that. Like, a, a full-on adult woman just pops up out of nowhere. They just decide to chase her. Marco gives chase. Rachel follows. Um, however, once they they duck into an alley, Marco's mom, or Visser One, as we all know her, Turns around and threatens the kids with a broken bottle. And then two other controllers show up with their dragon beams and start shooting at Marco and Rachel, who escape via a fire escape. And they tell all their friends. And their friends are like, yeah, are you sure it was lasers, you idiots? Meanwhile, Jake's brother, Tom, has been trying to get Jake to join the sharing. Jake humors him. And he goes to, a, like, a meeting or two. And actually, he sees Tobias at one of the meetings. Um, and is like, yo, this shit's lame. And Tobias is like, oh, I was thinking about becoming a full member. Jake's like, oh, I mean, yeah, good for you, man. <laughs> it's like us anytime we read a book we don't like but don't want to be too mean about. And we're like, well, you know, if you like this sort of thing, then, you know, that's great for you. Like, I'm happy for you happy that you for found you. this book that was clearly written for someone like you. <laughs> uh, I, also, so Jake- I also want to call kind of bullshit on this mm-hmm. whole plot line because – we know in the prime timeline, Tom mm-hmm. does not try to recruit Jake. He's not preoccupied with that. That hasn't seemed to happen. Like, yeah, that hasn't come up yet. At all. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Tom, it's not like, because the only thing that's different is that Jake didn't acquire morphing powers. And Tom mm-hmm. does not know that. So there's no reason that the them not acquiring morphing powers would push Tom into doing this, right? Like, there's yeah. no connection. So I think Tom was more excited about getting Marco's dad to a beach party yeah. than he was his own brother. Right. Like, the, <laughs> there like... have been multiple opportunities for Tom to be like, 
And I mean, like, you could, it could have been a thing with, like, Tom being like, oh, hey, you want to go to the sharing? And Jake being like, I knew the sharing was full of yurks, so I didn't go. But, like, Tom hasn't <laughs> even really, Tom, if anything, seems to want Jake to not be involved. Yeah. And they've been alone together, too, a couple times in the books where they could have had an opportunity for Tom to be like, yeah, so the sharing is having a barbecue next weekend. Yeah. Jake then trying to stab his brother in the back with his grandpa G's World War Two knives. <laughs> so like, this didn't this didn't track for me, and I kind of felt like the axe yeah. one didn't either. But I couldn't quite remember the details of when they found axe. Were the mm. Yerks like hot on their tail at that time, or they? I think yeah, they were. They, looking for they it? were okay. Yeah, I think they were following like a submarine or something down there. I don't remember. Because my exactly. main complaint would be that we know axe picked up the shark morph in the prime timeline as well mm -hmm. and that would have been the timeline of that shouldn't change in this timeline you would think yeah so it shouldn't have he shouldn't have just acquired it right before he's attacked but whatever i'll let that one slide yeah. the tom one's more of a bullshit that was like thing. the fifth book or something mm -hmm. it was, it was early. a long time ago yeah um but by the time they found him, he had had the shark morph for a while already. So it's yes, like, that's that was my impression. It's like one day he just like reached out and touched something, right. and he's like, "I've been doing this for a while. I just haven't left." Um, but I, also, though, in defense of like the Tom situation, mm -hmm. maybe because Jake is never home when he's an animorph, maybe that Tom can't ask. So I don't know, maybe. But then, but then I feel like we should at least get one conversation where Tom was like, "Hey, Jake, where do you go all the time?" Right. It just seems like. It and just, Jake being it's, like, no, it's you. like a good idea to be like, what if this one thing changed? What all would change from it? But I feel like if you're yeah. going to butterfly effect a thing, you have to like show your work, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Show me how to get from point A to point yeah. B. You can't just be like, because he's not an animorph, Tom wants to recruit him. It's like, but Tom didn't know he was an animorph. So why mm -hmm. doesn't Tom want to recruit him in the real world? I don't understand. Yeah. Whatever. I also would like to know how long Tom has been a controller because he's like, his gear is like high up in the ranks. Is he? I think so. Well, this book definitely implies that he is, and I think we've also oh, because of the gotten stuff with hints the, of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I don't think he's a visor. Or anything, no, no, no. But, but maybe a sub visor. Maybe yeah, maybe a sub visor. But but also then why is a sub visor in this kid's like? I see that's that's another thing, and and they say in this book like oh well you know we like to recruit kids because no one suspects kids, but then also like kids can't get into shit is the other thing. Yeah, and also I feel like. Yeah, recruit some kids and, like, no one expects them and maybe put, like, one or two important people in kids. But it mm -hmm. seems like you keep putting the important people in the kids because, like, Tom and then in this, Tobias, we find out, has been infested with a a known entity in the York, the York, the York political <laughs> machinations, right? Yes. Yeah. Which, like, Tobias, as we know, is, like, not... A popular child so it feels like to me they would not put a popular year although i guess that might make sense if viscer three was like i know that this dude's trying to fuck that's with true too. Fuck so i'm gonna me. give him a sad life yeah so i'm gonna put him in the worst body possible which is yeah. like a real insult to Tobias. like i did to my twin brother yeah 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 <laughs> remember that guy the books don't seem to <laughs> <laughs> uh so Jake fesses up to Tom. He doesn't like the sharing. Um, and before they can really get too much into that, they're home. They're at home one night, and Jake's family has a TV on. And suddenly Axe is there on TV just hanging out at a news studio. He's, like, standing in front of the news anchors. And I think he's trying to – he's probably going to try and broadcast something, but he doesn't get that far. So Tom runs off to make a phone call, which Jake overhears. And basically Tom seems to be extremely agitated and is ordering people around to do something. 
And then he leaves the house and tells Jake to cover for him. But Jake is like, actually, I'm going to hide in the back of the minivan that we have to, that you have to drive Tom um, and go with you and just not tell you. And he also notices that Tom has a gun and Jake is like, wow, Tom is going to be grounded forever if our parents find out he has a gun. The best, the best part of this was when Jake was like, my parents don't, we're not a spanking family or something like that. Like they're like, he's like, oh, my parents don't spank us. But like, yeah. I don't know what will happen when they find out Tom has a gun. Like, what are you implying? Like. You know, when They'll you find spank out him? your 17-year-old has a firearm, the first thing you do is like, all right, time for a spanking. They're going to shoot him with it as, as a learning lesson. Good Lord. <laughs> God. My parents don't spank, but if they found out we had a gun, they'd probably pistol whip us with it. <laughs> like, like, even Ugh. if you were a spanking family, I feel like spanking families don't really continue spanking that old you know at at some point yeah even the most like unless it's like an abusive situation yeah. but like tom and jake seem pretty happy weird 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 comment from jake <laughs> it's a strange one so tom pulls up to this new station in his minivan with a police escort which is just like a fucking hilarious mental image to me it's like <laughs> tom is speeding down like main street san francisco and then all of a sudden all these like police cars and emergency vehicles roll up next to him with their sirens blaring just like a fucking like honda odyssey he's and he starts he gets out of the car and one of the guards standing in front of the news station is like wow i'm so glad you're here there's there's something inside and tom just straight up shoots this guy so my question is was this a normal guard that was really happy to see Tom for some reason? Or was it a controller that Tom was like, fuck you, and shot for no reason? Because <laughs> we know that that's against year law. You can't just shoot controllers. I think it was a normal <laughs> dude. Why was he so happy to see a 16-year-old? Maybe it was dark and he didn't realize. Because I think that they say something. Surely any 16-year-old that rolls up with the police escort, he's like, thank God someone else is here to handle this. <laughs> I feel Teen like, detective Tom. I feel like, number one, it's got to be a normal guy because I think later on in the book they're like, oh, yeah, that police escort has been, like, taken to be yerked now. Like, I think that, like, they okay. say something about, like, he went to the hospital and got yerked after that. Yeah. Right? Okay. Okay. Um, so, number one. But number two, I don't know. Maybe, like, maybe he just thinks he's a detective who looks really young. <laughs> He's a 21 Jump Street situation. I don't know. Like, <laughs> Why didn't they just roll with that? Then? Like, yes, it's us. The cops let us in. Instead, he just he opens fire outside of a news studio. I, I think that they were going to, because they are like, oh, everybody at that station has now been yerked. So maybe, mm -hmm. like, Tom was like, fuck it. Let's just get the ball rolling. Get this dude out of the way. <laughs> it doesn't matter. They're all going to be yerked anyway. We don't have to be in cover, really. We can just, like, go in guns blazing. Oh, you, the yerks were really lucky. They pulled off this invasion before smartphones were things. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Imagine having to try and do, a, like, a yerk invasion today. Mm. It'd be more difficult. It'd also be more difficult to be an animorph, though. So That's true, too, yeah. Mm. Mm. <laughs> sit on that for a second <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, it, Tom 
also, like, Jake kind of sneaks out of the van to see what's going on, and Tom also tries to shoot Jake. Um, Jake is, like, pretty sure Tom couldn't tell it was him, but, like, me as a reader was like, nah, man, he had to have known. <laughs> it was dark. <laughs> Nobody can Whatever tell. you want to tell yourself, Jake. Nobody can tell who anybody is. This guard can't tell it's a 16-year-old. Tom can't tell it's his brother. Like, it's fine. Oh, Tom, uh, no, Jake gets all stressed out and he starts to morph tiger paws, but that freaks him out even more. So he goes back to human. He's like, I must have been imagining things. (laughs) Sure. Jake, Cassie, Marco, and Rachel, the school kids, they all meet up at Cassie's barn. And Jake tells them what happened to him. And Cassie says she has, like, a distinct feeling of deja vu. And also, like, they're missing some people from their barn meeting. Uh, They start talking about that alien that has appeared on TV. And Cassie is able to describe what the alien looked like without having seen it herself. And she also says he should be here with us standing right there. And, like, points to, like, probably Jake's right hand. (laughs) Right hand guy. May I also point out, and I'm not going to double check this because it, you know would undercut my theory if I'm wrong. But uh, I believe the first person that Cassie realizes is missing before this meeting, like in a prior scene when she's hanging Mm -hmm. out in her barn, is not her boyfriend Jake, but Marco. She's like, oh, when Marco comes to see the barn, oh, wait, Marco's never been in the barn. What am I thinking Also, I love Jake. What am I? Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, So, I mean, like, I'm just saying (laughs) Marco is Cassie's constant. It's fine. <laughs> we know it's Endgame, K. A. Applegate. <laughs> we know <laughs> Jake's just this interloper distraction. Uh, Cassie also goes on to tell everyone she's been having like really strange experiences lately, where she feels things aren't right, can't really articulate it though. Um, she talks about she talks about feeling like she has become like a wolf or a bug or a bird and about how an alien and a hawk should be in the barn with them. Um, And the others all agree that what Cassie is describing is extremely odd, but they can't deny that they saw an alien and that people were shooting lasers at them. So they're like, I guess you could be right. And may I also point out that the first one to defend Cassie is Marco. Is Marco. (laughs) Listen, listen, yeah. I'm just saying I've been a little cooled down on the Cassie Marco ship. It seems to have kind of stalled out, but this book. Car, go, car, go, car, go. So the plan, school kids plan is they're going to try and investigate Tom or confront him about it. Before this happens, we get a scene with Tobias and his yerk. It's upsetting. Um, essentially... Tobias's Yerk is working for Visser 3, but is loyal to Visser 1. So if you remember from the book Visser, there is Visser 1 has this plan to slowly take over Earth through the sharing. She wants to do it subtly um, so that humans don't realize it's happened until it's happened. And Whereas Visser, Visser 3 is, is like a real boom. Tom kind of guy. Come out yeah. guns blazing and shoot them all. <laughs> Visser 3 is like, but we have lasers. What are we doing? What are we fucking around for? <laughs> Which, you know, both are valid. I mean, <laughs> uh, I mean, we know that Visser 1's only reason for wanting to do it slow is so that her own human children don't die. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I forgot about that. Yeah. So Visser's theory is actually probably correct. Mm-hmm. I mean, as correct as you can be when talking about doing a genocide and enslavement, in which yeah. I mean very incorrect, like morally. I imagine, though, if that is your end game, Visser 3 is very effective. Yeah, he's, he's the most effective, surely. <laughs> when he's two. not fighting five teenage humans yeah, and an alien just, boy. He's just really been distracted lately. Yeah, just thinking about his hunky alien, his hunky Andalite rivals. He also, I would say this book probably makes the argument that viscer 3 actually is competent it's just mm. it, and it's not just the animorphs the fact that he's fighting the animorphs it is what viscer the book kind of proposed mm-hmm. that this is just not the method that he is used to or would prefer to do things right. slowly and undercover and that's maybe why he's so bad at it he's and if he was just, around yeah maybe if he was just allowed to shoot people we uh he would be doing a great job and uh yeah we should be less harsh on him because he's really working with um a medium that he's not used to you know they're asking him to yeah. to use <laughs> to use pastels and he's used to to using uh watercolors you know pencils. it's a whole problem yeah like, yeah i get viscer three did nothing wrong well again <laughs> i mean he besides the obvious besides the obvious but in terms of the the Yerk. He's not set up for success yes. here. It's a bureaucracy yeah. issue here. Yeah, it's on that red tape that's <laughs> holding them down. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so Visser 3 finds out about uh, Tobias's year being disloyal, so he executes Tobias. <laughs> and it's, like, fucked up. Cause, like, it's really messed up. He first threatens to starve the Yerk of Kindrana Rays unless he, like, commits to being loyal to Visser 3. And uh-huh. he's, like, fi- the Yerk's, like, yeah, okay, fine, I'm loyal to you. And then he, like, f- fucking chokes him out, doesn't he? Someone chokes him out, right? Is that a thing? I think I think they, they do have him in, like, a chokehold, but the it, the way he dies is they shoot him point blank. In oh, the head. yeah, I thought it was, like, he was, like, getting choked out because it's, like, goes to yeah. black all of a sudden or something and i was like oh yeah shit. well it's real upsetting yeah because it's all from tobias's point of view who he's like not able to inter- interfere with anything that's going on right. to him. he is just a passive observer and he is like terrified At the end of this chapter he's like so scared and then like it cuts off mid-sentence mm-hmm. like as he's talking about the gun being put to his head <laughs> yeah he's fucked up this series uh, is for children. Yeah, remember, remember, <laughs> maybe not Megamorphs. Maybe Megamorphs are full on young adult. I don't know. Uh, Visser three decides at this point it's better to ask for forgiveness rather than permission from the Council of Thirteen. So he decides it's time to just be open about this takeover and things start getting hostile. Well, and there's also like it's kind of unclear because the the dude that was in Tobias's head is like. Oh, I've been sent to tell you that the Council of Thirteen wants you to continue doing mm-hmm. Visser One's plan, and then Visser Three is like, "Okay, are you? Is the Council of Thirteen saying that for real, or is Visser One saying that?" And then he like threatens the dude, and the dude's like, "Okay, you're right. It's Visser One who said that, and the Council of Thirteen hasn't given an order, so you can do whatever you want." So it's kind of unclear as to like. Did the Council of Thirteen ever give mm-hmm. that order? At what point is this dude lying? Right? Like, is yes. he lying? Yeah. To like, is was his initial mission here on behalf of Visser One to make up this thing about the Council of Thirteen so that Visser Three would keep doing the thing that Visser One wants? Um, or 
was he actually sent by the Council of Thirteen and Visser and was just trying to save his own ass when he's like, you're right, they never said that because he knows that's what Visser Three wants to hear. So, like, who knows? Who knows? Yes. Yes. It's so many. Such such 4D chess moves, maybe. I don't know if it has chess any moves. impact on the series proper because... <laughs> Since this timeline gets erased. matters, but it was cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Jake and Marco get back to Jake's house to search Tom's room. They don't find anything. (laughs) (laughs) Not even a gun. (laughs) But Axe shows up on TV and basically spills the beans about Andalites and Yerks. He's like, hey, this is what Yerks look like. This is what they're doing. I'm an Andalite. This is what we're doing. Jake calls Cassie and she's like, oh yeah, that's all true. I can feel it. I can feel the truthness in his statements. We call that alien Axe. That's his name. I feel it in my bones. I feel it in my bones. (laughs) Unfortunately for them, Tom overhears this phone conversation and he threatens the children with a gun. But then badass Rachel shows up and clobbers her older cousin with the baseball bat. <laughs> they all run away. <laughs> also, she shoots him. She shoots his leg off. Yeah. He has he has no leg below the knee on one of his one side. In in an alternate universe, yes. In an alternate universe, yeah. It's gonna so, be really dope in the final battle when like Tom loses that leg or something and it's like yeah, Like echoes, Rachel tears echoes, it off. Echoes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, since the Yerks have decided to throw subtlety out the window, there are now Yerk ships up in the sky shooting shit. And Rachel, Marco, and Jake run off to meet up with Cassie, probably at the barn. But on the way, they are caught up in an explosion. A, a bug ship shoots a car, and Marco dies. Sad. Wow. I did not realize. I was maybe I was reading too quickly. I did not realize he died until like the next. Yeah. Right? Same. Jake POV, and Same. I was like, the fuck? <laughs> he was just like laying down unconscious, right? You guys took him with you? Someone's, like, <laughs> crying, like, Marco's dead. I'm like, oh, wait, what? Oh, did he? Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, if you say so. I just, like, go back and, like, I was, like, searching for capital M's, like, Marco, Marco, Marco. Marco. Oh, there he is. <laughs> there. Oh, I guess That's dead. where he died. Okay. <laughs> okay, all right. Rachel, Jake, and Cassie are now on the run, and some period of time passes where they have to, where Cassie has, like, a throwaway line where she's like, yeah, we just, like, kind of hung out during the day and hit at night. Um, But one day, they're at the mall trying to get some food from Taco Bell, uh, and a bunch of hork show up at the mall, and they do some fighting. Axe shows up, and the four of them head up to the roof of the mall to try and steal a spaceship. But Rachel gets stabbed by a hork and dies. Sad. And it's another one of those, like, I guess maybe that's what makes it kid-lit, is that they don't really describe the deaths. They just keep yeah. doing these things of, like, like I, she didn't even feel the wrist or the wrist blade uh, connect or something, and then she's just, and like, dead in the dark. next chapter. <laughs> yeah. And Jake's like, my beautiful cousin. My beautiful like, cousin. Stop it. Stop Jake. it, Jake. <laughs> You're you're like actively dating Cassie in this reality too. What are we doing? <laughs> True. Uh, the others jump on the ship and Cassie is immediately vaporized by a dragon beam and dies. Sad. Sad. <laughs> They're dropping like flies. It's just Axe and his prince Jake. Not in this universe, but you know. 
They get to the bridge of the ship, but Visser 3 is there. They try to do a fight, and they're about to be overpowered, but suddenly Visser 3 is vaporized by Cassie, but she was dead. <laughs> and Cassie's like, oh, the sim- simulation is falling apart or some shit. And everyone was like, what? And Cassie doesn't explain. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, Axe sends off this broadcast request for any and all Andalite fleets to head to Earth. And then Marco, they turn around and just in the corner, all of a sudden there's a gorilla named Marco. And Cassie is like, oh, yeah, it's really falling apart now. Doesn't explain. <laughs> They're all just like, oh. <laughs> uh, Axe is like, okay, whatever. I'm going to aim every weapon on this ship at the pool ship and blow up all the Yerks. We will probably die, but it will slow down the invasion. And right as Axe is about to do that, the Drode is like, wah, I can't believe you ruined all my fun. <laughs> the Elemist is there. And the Drode is there. And the Drode turns to the Elemist and is like, you didn't tell me that Cassie is subtemporally grounded. That's not fair. We had a deal. So basically, I guess, Cryak let the Elemist mess with the timeline in another situation that I'm hoping, like, we get more description of maybe in the Elemist Chronicles, but maybe. we'll see. Um, and in return, the Drode was allowed to pull some shooting against with the Animorphs. The Elemist agreed because he knew, but didn't tell anyone else, that Cassie was subtemporally grounded, meaning she would be able to tell that she was in the wrong timeline and that things were fucked up and just by her knowing that, the Drode's timeline wouldn't be able to exist anymore or something. Sure. He says, you were a virus in the software. Okay. This was kind of like sort of the sci-fi I like, where it's like, we don't need to super explain it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fine. Like, it vaguely makes sense. You're like, mm-hmm, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that. all right. It was also very, like, this whole scene um, was very and this might just be because it's what I'm playing right now, but it seemed very Disco Elysium to me, where it's, like, kind of, like, trippy, but not, like, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were, like, not really 100% sure what's going on, and it's, like, the fucking shivers are in your head talking to you, and you're, like, okay, all right, all right. Like, I maybe this is this is some weird shit. Maybe it's not. I'm not sure. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Um, and the Drode is, like, Elmas, you've, like, fucking stacked the deck. You've got... Cassie, subtemporal time girl. You've got Elfangor's brother. You've got Elfangor's son. And who else was it? He there's like one other person. Brother's was it son. Jake. Cassie. He was like and Jake, who Cryak hates for whatever fucking reason. Let me see. Was it Marco? It. Was it Visser th- because he's Visser? Th- oh yeah, once? Visser one son. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Jake and Rachel are the ones that are left out. Those beautiful um, cousins. The, the, the beautiful idiots you've, you've just got, hanging out gazing at each other like it's like a mirror <laughs> you've got Visser one son Elfangor's son Elfangor's brother Cassie's weird shit and these two beautiful cousins <laughs> oh my god everyone knows <laughs> that reality can't resist against such beautiful beautiful cousins such beautiful people <laughs> Um, so there's something here, uh, going on with Jake and Rachel, probably, maybe, eventually, maybe, I don't know. Eh. Secrets will be revealed, maybe. Eh. And even mm-hmm. it's just gonna be beautiful cousins. And then the Drode is like, Cryak is gonna get you one of these days, Jake. He fucking hates your guts. And the Elmas is like, or maybe Jake will have Cryak instead. And I was like, this okay. is, this is That's some... weird. Yeah, this whole scene... <laughs> Elemis, listen before you talk. Like, that's... 
That's not threatening. It was just kind of like weird and uncomfortable this, this, what you said. This is some enemies to lovers to enemies fan fiction. Like we don't need yeah. to do this. I don't like it. Um, and I don't know, like, have we, we had that one book. It was like the third, no, not the third book. Maybe the long, long time ago where Jake was yerked. And that's when he like first saw Cryak and interacted with him. But like, yeah. why though? <laughs> We haven't gotten that answer yet, have we? Like, why has Cryak chosen to, like, really hate Jake of all of the animals? Yeah, I think we kind of maybe got some of it in that Just one where they were, like, on that other planet. The Howler book? Yeah, and they were fighting yeah. them and whatever, and then they made them kiss, and that defeated them. Remember that? Remember how the <laughs> Howlers yeah, learning about kissing day. defeated them? <laughs> yeah, 13-year-old love saves the day. And I think they kind of interacted with Cryak there, and there was some more of, like, Cryak being, like, super antagonistic towards Jake, but... Jake and Jake specifically. Yeah, like he specifically really hates Jake. And I feel like we're never going to get a real answer. I think it's just because Jake is the main character, because K.A. Applegate has decided that Jake is the main character. But, like, right? why? Yeah, maybe maybe Jake does something in the future and Cryak can see it, so that's why. Because Alamis seems to be able to see in the future. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of like maybe it's just a, a temporal loop where, like, Cryak knows Jake is going to be the one to defeat him, and so he keeps trying to like redo it or something, and it just never works. That could be. And Jake is always yeah. the one to do to do the final blow. Maybe it's something like that. And Cryak is looking for the one the universe. One, yeah, the one where reality he where he can beat Jake. He's like Doctor Strange. He's yeah. like I have gone through three million something timelines, and yeah. there's only one where it will work. Perfect, Doctor Strange in person. Thank you. Your impression. I know. I've been working on it for a long time. I'm <laughs> glad you enjoyed it, basically since that movie came out. Um, everyone is a little bummed about this timeline, especially Tobias, who's like, can't believe I fucked up and became a controller. And Jake was like, oh, yeah, well, I can't believe I fucked up and asked the droid to put them in, put the, put us in this timeline. And, I mean, that's a good point because, like, yeah. Tobias fucked up before all of his character development. Mm-hmm. Tobias was not given a chance to unfuck up. Yeah. Jake fucked up after all of his character Jake development. Jake was a little selfish. <laughs> but also, I can't truly blame Jake for being like, yeah. He's 13. I don't want to do this war. This is I don't want no to save the world. <laughs> the Elmas is like, it's okay, because once you go back to your regular time, only Cassie will recall a dim memory of this. So have fun with that, Cassie. Have fun with those nightmares. Enjoy. Enjoy. Uh, and the last chapter of the book is the first chapter again, but this time Jake is like, fuck off, Drode, and he does. He doesn't even say that, though. He just, Jake is like, thinking about it, thinking about it, same as the first one, and then the Drode is like, oh, fuck, never mind, because the Drode. This is so much work. No, I think it's like that the Drode, like, it's like the timeline comes back, so the Drode has Oh, it snaps back in that moment. And he's like, oh, fuck, it didn't work, essentially. Like. Yeah. Better go to the next universe. Yeah. Try again there. Good luck. The end. The end. The end of this one. All of the children have died once again. Mm-hmm. Except no for consequences. Jake. Except for Jake once again. No, he di- He died first in the last Megamorphs. He got yeah, shot in the head. He but... didn't die this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he and Axe held on to the end. Good boys. True loves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... Speaking of the kids, I know it's kind of hard to pick a morph when uh, mm. none of them really morphed much, but who was your most valuable morph? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it has to be Axe because he is the only one that morphed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If we're expanding it beyond people who morphed, I 
guess I would give it to Cassie because she was. She's basically the reason this plan didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. But by by no like, she didn't do anything. It was just that's the way that she was born. Yeah. And that doesn't mean I mean like, most valuable doesn't mean that you have that's to try true. something. That's true. Gold is valuable, and it what what did it do? Nothing. It was shiny. It was shiny, and we liked it. Other people gave it worth. I guess Cassie is gold. Yeah. Other people give her worth. Wow. Uh, speaking of Cassie, serious theories. Cassie's definitely gonna bite it. I'm just yeah. Apparently, Cassie's gonna die. I think the cave was probably a metaphorical cave. I don't think she's going to die in a literal cave, but I could be wrong about that. I think it's supposed to be, like, yeah. the metaphor of, like, Cassie being sent into a situation or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, or it could be, like, a callback to the when they first went down into the year pool. It was, like, a cave. Yeah. And she killed, she killed Amanda. In any case, I think Cassie is being set up as the, like, too martyr. beautiful, too pure martyr who is, like, Yes. Kind of like angelically touched, except instead of angels, it's like time travel. Yeah, yeah. And so I don't think I don't think she's gonna make it out of the series alive. Sorry, guys. Yeah, and maybe her death will be the impetus for Jake to go on a full rage. Just... Oh God, I hope that's not what we do. <laughs> and only Axe will be able to calm him. All right, now we're just back in fanfic territory. <laughs> and Marco's sad forever. <laughs> Oh man! I never got to tell her, and I was like, "Tell her what, Marco?" He's like, "Never, never mind. Don't worry. Doesn't matter now." <laughs> get that that flash forward. That I don't know if it's actually happening in this series, but we get that flash forward to when they're all like twenty four and still fighting Yerks, and Marco's next to some like random person in bed smoking a cigarette. <laughs> what are you thinking about, Marco? Nothing. Don't worry about it. No one. No one. <laughs> Oh man, morbid moment. <laughs> Beautiful swan. Um, uh, every time a child died, <laughs> I hated that. I hated Ka- I hated Tobias's whole storyline. I felt so sad the whole. Time. I mean, like it was well, it was well done, but it didn't make me feel good at all. No, I'll hated shout it. out um, Tobias getting yerked because that was also yeah, very sad. That was fucked up. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've gotten a yerking that in depth before. Yeah, or that violent. Like I feel yeah. like. The only child that's been yerked has been Jake, and that's because he dipped his head into the yerk pool like a dummy. Yeah. Um, and then Cassie, who, who right, but it right. was, like, consensual. Yeah, it was consensual yerking. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was a lot of violent holding uh, holding Tobias down while he begged for them not to hold strapped him down. Strapped in the chair, and, and they strapped his head at an angle. It was yeah. Awful. It was not great. It was not yeah, a fun time. I touched his ear. Oh. Wet Willie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's it for this episode, right? Goodbye, Megamorphs. Bye, We're Megamorphs. done with you. Um, so next week we will be uh, continuing Anna's unit on Highland time slip romances. And then the week after that, we'll be back with another Morph Monday with Animorphs number 41, The Familiar. Uh, in the meantime, if you have any books that you would like us to read for the podcast either because you think we would love them or hate them you can tweet at us shelf aware cast or email us shelf aware cast at gmail.com 
As always, thank you to Ben Cope for the use of our theme song. You can check out his YouTube channel in our show notes below. We are also on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms. So if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on one of those, you definitely should. Look, just look at the cover for Animorphs number 41, The Familiar, and tell me you don't want to hear us talking shit about this book. It looks like it's going to be fantastic. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd very much appreciate a five-star review. But if you don't, that's all right, because you're allowed to talk about us anywhere on the internet you would like. In the words of Cassie via K.A. Applegate, Rachel is my best friend. No one knows why. Least of all, either of us. <laughs> Come on, Cassie. <laughs> Okay, I know earlier you were just you you were joking when you said we get the time jump where they're all 24 years old. Reading the blurb on the next book, Jake wakes up one morning to find out he's suddenly 25 years old. What? <laughs> oh no. It's happening. It's happening. It's finally happening. Uh, all right. Oh my, so he's, uh, two on, weeks like a, two weeks come back for that, I guess. The cover is young Jake morphing into an older adult Jake. Oh my god, I've seen that cover. It all makes sense now. <sighs> now I'm pumped. <laughs>